0: Bravo. Hola. Hola.
1: Okay. Ahoi. Ciao. Hello. And welcome to Policy Voices for Friends of Europe, an independent think tank with a difference. Each week from Brussels, we bring you powerful conversations with policy voices from around the world. Policy Voices talking policy choices.
2: Um, we saw, as you say, during the pandemic, how important culture was. Culture, I think, is also vital for bringing people along on the changes that we need to make you know for the long term so we really need to involve people in the decisions that are going to be affecting them now and in the future and culture is such an important tool to be able to do that in a meaningful way in a creative way in a way that reaches beyond the usual suspects so that we can continue to have conversations with the people affected (laughs)
1: Hello and welcome to Policy Voices, Friends of Europe's weekly podcast on European and global affairs. I'm your host, Katerina Villanova. As the guardian of future generations, Derek Walker has to look ahead much more than any other politician. The job of the Future Generations Commissioner for Wales is to protect and promote the needs of future generations, which means that most of his constituents are not born yet. Derek Walker has been the Future Generations Commissioner for Wales for exactly one year now. He started his seven-year mandate on March 1st, 2023, and he spoke to Thomas van Vinkt, Programme Manager at Friends of Europe, about the lessons learned in his first year and what does it mean to be the guardian of future generations. Stay on that side to hear their conversation.
0: Hello and welcome to Policy Voices. My name is Tom van Vink, and I am delighted to be your host for today's episode, which falls directly under Friends of Europe's initiative on the renewed social contract by which we as a think tank attempt to make sense of the future, what it means to be a good citizen, and a constructive member of the public, private, or civil society sector. I'm excited to welcome our guest for today, Derek Walker, who is connecting with us from Wales and who has a lot to teach us on exactly how to renew a social contract. Good afternoon and welcome, Derek. How are you?
2: Good afternoon, Tom. I'm really well. Nice to see you.
0: Thank you so much, Derek, for joining us. Uh, Derek, you are the Future Generations Commissioner for Wales. You're the second ever person to hold this post, and you have done so for one year exactly today. Hey, the first of March. That's very exciting, Derek. Congratulations!
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's been a busy and exciting year, but it's a it's a great job and a real opportunity to make positive change happen. So I'm really enjoying it. You,
0: before being the commissioner for Future Generations, Derek, you, you've done quite um, a few things. You've worked in the private, public, civil society sector. You've worked at the uh, big lottery fund, uh, Stonewall Kimmerer. Yeah, the Wales Trade Union congress and right before the uh being the commissioner for future generations you were the ceo of compass the uk's largest cooperative and development agency so it's a very well kind of rounded background that led you to your current role so one could say you're a modern day champion of future generations some sort of superman for the future but before we get into what it takes to be a future generations commissioner for for Wales, um. I'm very interested to to start at the very start and take a few steps back, and for the interest of our audience, could you maybe tell us, Derek, a little bit about the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act, which came out in 2015 and kind of set the whole this whole thing in uh, in motion.
2: The act came about as a result of a national conversation called the Wales We Want, where people were engaged in um, conversations, chats, talks. Uh, consultations about what we wanted to be as a country and where we wanted to go. And that um, inspired and informed wh- where we got to with the Wellbeing Future Generations Act. And I think that means that, you know, there's widespread support for the legislation within Wales, and um, because people very much see it as a legislation that's um, come from the bottom up in sense, some senses and informed by the population of Wales so what the legislation does if you forgive me I'll go on to that tom it 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 sets uh, a framework for our government and decision making in wales it sets seven wellbeing goals and these seven wellbeing goals set our direction for the long term they're in areas like economy the environment health culture and the welsh, langu- welsh language but they also Um, as part of that we have 50 national indicators which um, tell us whether we're being successful in meeting those goals and within that we have some milestones which tell us the progress we should be making. So we have a sense of direction as a country and we also have a way and a framework for measuring our progress in terms of meeting those goals.
0: We're effectively looking at a legislation which is the product of a citizen participatory process in in, in a sense, which has inherently re reframed re, re how we take ownership around legislation, which is in a way the reason why you say it is so you know well adopted by by the Welsh population and by the Welsh country. And it's if I understand correctly primarily aimed at guiding the public sector in, in its undertakings. In Wells.
2: You know where we see it making real impact. We it's you know because um, people communities are are understanding the act and they're challenging public bodies to be delivering against this legislation. They see it as um, their legislation and they're asking, uh, in some cases, you know, why are decisions being taken? Are they compliant with the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act? And I think that's really where you see the real. You know, we're really likely to see the real change. You know, we're seeing some really positive differences, which, again, I can come on to. But actually, it needs to be owned by the population of Wales. And people. when we see people championing it for themselves in their local community, um, then that's great to see, because then we we really see that the legislation is becoming embedded.
0: So the, the Future Generations Commissioner for Wales's role is said to, act as a guardian for the interest of future generations in Wales. So run us through, you know, what does this this entail? Are you supported? Is this a one-man show? Um, How do you you take on your role? You've done it for 12 months. What does a commissioner for future generations do in Wales?
2: Yeah, so the commissioner role is um, an independent role and it's a statutory role. So it's really important that it's independent of government because Welsh government is covered by the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act. So I uh, need to be able to um, advise them on how they're delivering the legislation and also to be able to say if I'm not happy with how that's being done by Welsh government. So it's really important that independence I think one of the other things that's really important is the seven-year term. So it's a seven-year term that can't be renewed. So it takes you over an electoral cycle and you're not looking to be reappointed um, because you can't be reappointed. It's a seven-year fixed term. And my job can be summed up, I guess, by a number of um, core areas of work. I'm there to advise public bodies on how they Implement the legislation, how they think about sustainable development and think long term. I'm there to monitor their progress. So they set objectives and I'm there to look at those objectives and assess the progress. And then if I'm not happy with the progress, I can comment on that, I can advise on that. And I also have the power to undertake reviews so I can undertake a review. We call it a Section 20 review to review how the legislation might be being implemented and to make recommendations for how I would want that to be improved. Um, And there are other ways in which I work too. So um, I have the ability to convene people around a particular agenda and bring people together to work through particular issues um so that's an important um part and not an official part but an important part in in in, in how this uh, role functions and i'm supported by a team so i have a team of roughly 25 people um around wales who support me to deliver on that work which doesn't
0: sound like a very large team for the amount of work that you've just listed but uh, i'm sure you're all very very
2: busy no it's a it's a really busy team and it you know obviously you could do with uh, you could do with more resources to do this important work as there is so much that can be done um, but as a result you have to prioritise but everything is within scope of the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act. If you're thinking about the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act and you're thinking about the Guardian of Future Generations well everything is potentially in scope and that's part of the challenge in that um, I will get contacted by many different people and organisations asking me to take up their particular issue or comment on their particular issue. And unfortunately, you can't, um, you can't take them all up. So that requires me to, to prioritise. And so uh, back in November, uh, after being in post for a few months, I put together a, a strategic plan to, to set my direction and highlight the areas in which I would um, prioritise during my term in the office. We need to have the ambitious objectives. We've got the ambitious goals, but we need to make more of these ambitions a reality and to improve the, the lives of people today and the prospects of people yet to come. So that's the first mission. And then four other mission areas are, um, the first one, first other one being climate and nature. So as you can understand, if you're thinking long-term, we need to have a healthy planet. We need to have a, a diverse Uh, biodiversity we need to have a a strong uh, nature um, environment and so that's came up very highly through my involvement in consultation exercise climate and nature then health is the uh, another area particularly thinking about prevention preventing ill health from arising Um, another area is the economy and the well-being economy we've described it so thinking in terms of what the economy is for, the economy being here for people and planet, not just for profit. And then the final area, but last but not least, is culture in the Welsh language. So we take an approach in Wales whereby we think about four dimensions of well-being, um, environmental, economic, social, but also culture. And culture has been given um, less attention than some of the other areas in the last um, seven years or so, and so I want to put that uh, higher up the priority list um, during my term.
0: Which is also, you know, something that was so, you know, clearly um, illustrated during the COVID pandemic. You know, culture, the cultural sector is something that has been going, and I don't think we can only speak for Wales, but we can speak for. I mean, I'm from Belgium, uh, and it certainly was the case in Belgium too, where the cultural sector was one of the first. Uh, sectors that was deemed, you know, non-essential. So what do you do around, you know, having created an entire career around something that is so important for an identity of a, of a society of a group of people, and then being told from one day to another that, you know, that is not essential? Uh, we discussed it quite a bit on on our side as well because it, you know, part of a part of the need for a renewed social contract is also prioritizing things in in a way that is so. Um, that that translates the priority that translates the importance of specific sectors in in the society and culture definitely deserves to be one of your priorities thank you for for highlighting this
2: could i could i just come back on that time because i i you you make a really strong point i think because um we saw as you say during the pandemic how important culture was for our for our well-being and um um i think you know culture has its own importance you know it's, it's it benefits us Um, just through the benefit of being able to access uh, cultural activities uh, as we've talked about but culture I think is also helpful um, vital not just helpful for bringing people along on the changes that we need to make you know for the long term so you know as I talked about throughout this podcast we really need to involve people in the decisions that are going to be affecting them now and in the future. And culture is such an important tool to be able to do that in a meaningful way, in a creative way, in a way that reaches beyond the usual suspects so that we can continue to have conversations with the people affected and involve them in the decisions, but also in the in the actions that we need to take uh, in the future. So it's, it's crucially important. And um, I was disappointed in the recent Welsh Government budget that um, um, some of our cultural institutions in Wales took some of the biggest cuts um, during a very difficult budget process, and I think, um, um, yeah, I, I was disappointed to see that.
0: How does it? How does it really work? Um, and uh, everything that you said, I've got quite a few questions. So I'll start. I'll start with the first one. But how do you? How are you met by the public sector or by people that you you know that you advise or you, you provide recommendations to? Who are Doing just that, competing for budget. You now, how are you? How are you received when you walk in and you say, "You know, I'm a commissioner for future generations. I need this much budget to be allocated to the future generations." And then, you know, surely, there must be a moment where your interlocutor says, "Well, I need this much budget for the people who are currently, you know, the current generations." Is there a? Is this one of the challenges that you face? How the? How are? How are you met? And how do you change the approaches and thinking of policymakers and and other public sector representatives that that, that you speak with?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because um, it's a it's a you know, it's one of the trickiest areas of this. And um, often people will meet you in that way to say it's one or the other. It's either now or we think about the future. And that's the wrong way to look at this. This is about doing both at the same time. We talk about acting today, um, for today and for the future. So it's about a way of thinking, a framework to make sure that we don't ignore the interests of people today. Far from it. We need to be addressing those needs, but we also need to be thinking about the long term. That's a really crucial point about this. It's a. It's not one or the other. It's about doing both. It doesn't always have to be more expensive. It can sometimes be a cheaper approach. But it's about having that um, that mindset. I think when you're taking decisions. But you're right. The 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 biggest reaction I get is is uh, from public bodies. We get this. Um, we understand why why it's important. We're bought into it. But how do we manage this when we've got massive pressures on us as a public sector now? Um, And the classic example is when you think about health, you know, we might have waiting lists of people requiring operations and supporting um, those operations. Funding those operations is also a prevention measure, of course, isn't it? Because you're preventing them getting um, even worse, um, being out of work potentially for longer having worse health outcomes, worse for their mental health and so forth. So that's important that we do that. But we also know, um, certainly we know this in Wales, that um, some diseases, some health issues are um, getting greater and they're preventable. So things like um, certain types of diabetes, diabetes type 2, obesity uh, and so forth, we are getting rising levels of these uh, diseases, which is affecting people's well-being but it's costing the health services as well unless we get ahead of those growing areas of concern um it's going to have an even bigger impact on our health service and the day-to-day operations that we need to make happen so we can't ignore it we have to do the both at the same time although uh, uh, because alternatively those you know those preventable issues will um Will make the health service you know in this country unsustainable and we can't allow that to happen.
0: Thanks Derek and, and actually I think these are these are your words you know that I've taken down that being the guardian of the interests of the people not yet born is the greatest privilege and that it is a radical change of thinking that affects every decision you make so it is um, I think this kind of encapsulates very well what you just said it's not about either or but it's about finding new ways to broker possibilities to have the end option you know, or to have the different option that no one had thought about, but that does not exclude anybody, but, you know, brings about a new way of thinking. Um, We've talked about the challenges that you face as a commissioner quite, you know, quite um, almost extensively now, but is it, what would you say is the single hand, like the most uh, challenging part of your work? Are you dealing, you know, is it changing people's mindsets? Is it Bureaucracy, um, are there specific challenges to Wales or are they you know universal challenges that you you really find make your work more complicated? Um, I'm interested in what you didn't expect were your main challenges and also to um, hear some of your lessons uh, after the first year in the, in office?
2: Yeah, great question. um th- this is difficult stuff. this is the work of change, and there are many, many challenges. The how, I think, is the overriding lesson that I've had, Tom, in in all of this. It's, you know, we get it, but how do we do it? You know, what does this mean in terms of our day-to-day work as a public sector organisation in Wales? And to support organisations with the how um, is going to be a big focus for me and is already a big focus for me. And there are many and different ways in which we can we can do that um the most effective way to make progress is through the carrot it's by advice it's by promotion it's by highlighting those good practice examples it's by demonstrating how it can be done or how others have done it and um and and, and you know showing that to others so that they can do the same i think it's about making the case we can't, you know it's a, the whole f- change processes are all about making the case so, We need to be continuing to make the case, as I I mentioned, with regard to to mindset. But sometimes I think um, it's also about calling things out when they're not happening in the way that they should be happening. And that was less easy for my predecessor to do in the first term because you need to give organisations the time and space to be delivering. Um, But I expect to be making um, more time to be calling out um where things are not making the progress we want, want it, we want to be seeing um, during my time in the office because um, you know, time is running out, and um, we need to be um, moving rapidly on with the the issues that I've talked about.
0: Thanks, Derek, and you you mentioned you know the 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 system of, of the steak and and of the carrots and fearing the carrots. Um, all of this pertains to the way the public sector um, works for for the, for the largest part. Um, understanding a social a social contract as a tacit agreement between different groups of society, including the public, but also the privates and the civil society uh, sectors and, and citizens and and everything in between. How do you engage with the private sector? Like, what's your you know and. You know, this question is valid for you as, as the commissioner for future generations, but also understanding that it may not fall under your, your portfolio or your mandate. What do you think we should or how do you think we should? Uh, and I say we as individuals, but also as representatives of the civil society and the public sector, engage with the private sector. How are businesses considered and brought along in what you say this, is this work of change? You know, it's, it's, we're now working towards changing the way we do everything. Because we don't have a choice. How do we bring about business? If we want to shift away from this approach to economy and to well-being, that is one where profit is prevalent over health and, and comfort. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts.
2: Yeah, um, and this is one of the areas where I've perhaps been most surprised. I've been surprised in a in a positive way by the level of engagement from the private sector in Wales, who are you know, very keen to work with us. Obviously, not all aspects of the private sector, but um, I've been really pleased to see that positive engagement. I guess they come at it in two ways, really. Um, Some of them might just come at it from a purely business commercial perspective, um, which is about how they win contracts from the Welsh public sector. So if they want to win a contract um, with a public body, um, they are often asked, how they can support the public sector to deliver against the well-being of Future Generations Act, sometimes called, you know, a social value approach or thinking about community benefits. What else can they do as well as deliver that contract for their workforce, for their community, for the environment, and so right. forth? So they want to understand the legislation from that perspective in order to help them to be competitive, which is, you know, great that they're doing that. And we want to see businesses shift. And if that's um, one of the results of this legislation well that's great but there are others who 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 sort of get this anyway the legislation resonates with them it makes sense they they understand why this is important for us as a as a as a world as as a nation they understand the narrative they want to be doing this as part of how they are as a business and so they you know they engage for those reasons too And um, many businesses, particularly if they're Wales businesses, you know, based, headquartered in Wales, or they're small businesses just operating in Wales, um, they see this as part of a Wales approach. You know, this is the narrative about our nation. This is how this is about how we do things. And they want to be on board with that. And they want to be, you know, businesses that reflect that approach. So, yeah, probably those two ways in which businesses engage. I'd love to have more resources to engage with more businesses um, right across Wales. There's certainly the appetite to do so. But as I say, I've been pleasantly surprised by the amount of engagement already Um which is, yeah, which has been
0: fantastic. Derek, before we part, I wanna talk about the year to come, uh, which is going to be your uh, second year as commissioner, but it's also going to be what some have called the ultimate election year, with around 49% of the world population heading for the polls this year. Don't quote me on this, um, but it is going to be, we're talking about more than 3.5 billion people, if I'm not mistaken, uh, including the UK. Uh, And so what I'm really interested to hear from you is before we part, what is your main what is your expectation and what is your hope from these addictions and also in the u k
2: oh what a big question there's so much that I could be saying on that I mean I guess the the first and obvious point is uh, about peace you know we're seeing so much conflict so much um death and destruction around the world aren't we and um we you know let's hope and and work for um Greater peace around the world um, in the year to come. Um, you know what I'll be hoping and expecting to see, I guess, are you know a focus on on these long term issues. So you know I w- you w- you don't want our leaders to be rowing back on their commitments uh, around climate change and the nature emergency because these are emergencies, and um, we cannot wait to act. And we have seen some, uh, you know, evidence from some political leaders that they might not be taking it as seriously as perhaps they were or certainly as as, as they should be. And we absolutely don't want that to happen. We know, um, you know, we've seen recently how rapidly the earth is heating up and um, it's more rapidly than we thought it was going to be. So we cannot wait to see action. So what I don't want to see and, you know, hope and pray not to see is for um, governments to be rowing back on these commitments. Um, And I guess the other thing um, that one other thing, you know, so many other things is, you know, these these long-term issues require collaboration. They require countries to work together. They require you know, compromise and diplomacy and, um, uh, you know, partnerships. And what we want to see from whatever governments are elected around the world is a commitment to working together for our shared long-term interests. And that will sometimes mean putting um, to one side or putting a secondary, the national interest, in order to put at the forefront our long-term interests as humanity, as humankind. And uh, I I would hope and pray that we see governments elected that take that approach, see the long-term and are willing to collaborate with each other to implement the solutions we need.
0: Thank you so much, Derek. So I'm noting the three big C's collaboration, compromise and commitment for long-term interest. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, Derek Walker, the Commissioner for Future Generations from Wales, for joining us, Friends of Europe, on this Policy Voices podcast. We were delighted to have you with us and we wish you all the best. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you very much. I enjoyed the conversation. Nice to see you.
1: You just heard Thomas van Veen, Programme Manager at Friends of Europe, speaking to Derek Walker, the Future Generations Commissioner for Wales. What do you think of today's episode? Do you think our country should also have a commissioner for future generations? Let us know your thoughts. You can search for Friends of Europe on LinkedIn and X or send us an email. Our address is press at friendsofeurope.org. As always, don't forget to subscribe to Friends of Europe's podcast wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode of Policy Voices. I'm Katerina Villanova, and I will be with you again next week. Until then, goodbye.